put them up by four. Start a party in the garden, hit me up back door. Tell them welcome to the east where his handles abroad. We conference nonsense, fighting LeBron. Hardwood when the Rockets hand out cars. Defense when the clock kills, no shots off. Hey guys, welcome back to episode 30 of the Celtics Pulse podcast. Don't forget we're part of the Pulse Podcast Network. You can catch them at PulsePodcastNetwork.com or at PulsePodNetwork on Twitter. Still running the affiliate promotion with TheJerseyExpress.com. 10% off any jersey or any hoodie. And they're at JerseyExpress underscore on Twitter. So we've had two L's over the last two games. Uh, we've got a game tonight as well. We're recording before the Hornets game. So we're going to start by recapping over the Suns, then the Bucks, and then we'll see where it takes us. So it was a rough loss, guys. I mean, we, Aiton played really well against us. Uh, Baines went out early. How much impact do you think that had? I think it's huge. I mean, at this point now where you're you're forced to lean on Baines a lot, um, he's not he's not able to play those heavy minutes. Like I even when we got him originally, I'm like, as long as he's not, you know, your starting center or if he's not playing like more than thirty minutes a game, you're okay. But the spot that you're in right now where you have to lean on him so heavily and now with him out, it's a big deal. I mean I like Baines a lot as a player, and I've harped on this a lot too, where he's a great leader in the clubhouse. He's a championship caliber player. He won with the Spurs. He's a likable guy. Um, His teammates seem to really, really enjoy his presence around the locker room, but he's not a guy that I could depend on for 30 minutes a game. And I, I mean, it clearly shows. He's just had a slew of injuries. And at this point now, you're looking your depth issues in the face where you have an entire roster that's just composed of wings and ball handlers and you don't have enough true centers. And, you know, you go back to back to back games where you've had to face dominant big men. You know, you had Griffin and Drummond, then you're going against the number one overall pick in DeAndre Ayton. And then on top of that, you know, now you're going against Giannis Antetokounmpo. So, you know, you're going against these dominant bigs and you just get decimated. Yeah, I mean, the Baines injury really, 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 really hurts. Um, because this whole season, Baines has been one of the more consistent players. In a season of up and up, ups and downs for almost every single player on the Celtics, Baines has been that one true guy that's been, hey, I'm going to do my job and do my job well. And that's just being a force down low, whether it be getting rebounds, just playing good defense, never a great shot blocker, but just a big body down there. You know, you see how... Play against a Joel Embiid type player. Joel struggles against the Celtics big men. But now with Baines out for what they're saying, four to six weeks, and Horford has been out for the last week or two, and they say, I think he's probable tonight, but I saw on the uh, report on Twitter that he's probable for tonight. It just, like you, like you said, Tim, the depth, big man depth, really looking everyone in the face and saying, we don't really have any of this. Um, even no. beginning of the season, the original lineup. I mean, Tatum plays most a heavy four minutes at least until uh, they put Gordon to the bench and move Tatum back to the wing. But he was basically the four on the team. Marcus Morris is only six eight. He plays a lot of four minutes, and he's a more perimeter oriented player. So we don't have that true, true, true center. Um, and even if you look at Tyson Robert Williams, as much as we like, we love uh, Rob Williams. He is raw defensively. The blocks are. One thing, but defensively, one-on-one defensively, he still has a lot of work to do. Offensively, he's only a lob threat. He really doesn't do much out. Uh, yeah. He's, yeah. Go on. 
and he's just raw right now. And as much as everyone loves him, and you know, Time Lord will for, live on forever in everyone's hearts. He's. I would rather you play Baines thirty minutes, him thirty minutes, just because of how impactful and everywhere else on the floor Baines can be. I think Baines has one of those bodies where he can just take a hit and it just bounces off of him. I mean, so many times he's sacrificed his body as opposed to getting put on a poster. Um, I think the athleticism that Williams brings to the floor is awesome. Um, There's just a certain aspect in certain defensive savviness that Baines has, and it's part of the reason why he's been such a success here. But in order for him to be able to be at his best, he can't be dependent on for those 30 minutes. That's the problem. If his body could handle the 30 minutes a game, then he would probably be starting with um, Horford a lot more. I mean, we have started him him in that situation where you're able to push Horford over to the four. And what I'm hoping is, is when Horford comes back, you're able to see Rob Williams at the five, Horford at the four when you have to go against bigger lineups. Now, the Celtics team has always struggled for the past few years against bigger lineups. That's always been the case. Even before Yanis started to truly develop into the MVP caliber player we're seeing today, they still had issues against the Bucs. Um, they had issues against Chicago because of their size, too, for a while, too. And they've always had trouble with the Pistons because of their length and their ability to get rebounds. So, you know, you go against the rebounding machine in back-to-back-to-back games, yeah, you're going to have a problem if you're the Celtics. And this is the issue now where you have all these wings and you've got a lot of guard depth, but now because of the injuries to Horford and because of Baines, those two guys are over the age of 30, correct? I mean, I know Horford is, but I'm pretty sure Baines is as well. Yeah, if he's not 30, then he's 29, 30. Yeah, so I mean, you're leaning up to her 30 plus years old at the most vital position for your team because you have all this other guard depth. You can make things work and you have versatility because guys like Jalen Brown could play anywhere between two to four, but you don't have any true fives or anyone who could play the four and the five that isn't, you know, a rookie or a second or third year player. So they need to figure out where they can get some depth. I mean, at this point, you know, you have to weigh your options with Baines. I mean, I love him, but can you flip a trade with him in salary with a pick or something and maybe package away Terry Rozier to go ahead and get another big? Because you need one. Yeah. You, yeah. you have to. At this point, you have to. Yeah, I mean, you rebounding has been a consistent struggle for the Celtics since the KG trade. I mean, ever since yeah. you know when we went to rebuilding mode and we started getting our pieces back, the one thing that we, we always lacked was rebounding. And now with Baines out, who is easily our best rebounder on the team, Al doesn't get many rebounds, and that's been very well documented the time in Boston. Tyce, he he'll get rebounds when he's out there, but he's really slender, and he's is kind of moving towards a perimeter role offensively. Uh, Rob Williams is skinny, but he does get some rebounds. We don't have that true rebounder. You don't have that guy that can Body. go out there. And- Ten, yeah, just like an eight. That just like you know a, a Baines, like a big body guy that can just sit in the paint and just wreak havoc down there. Uh, I remember earlier, a couple like a week or two ago, we were talking about potential Dwight Howard trades. Where now that he's sidelined for most of the season, as out of you know out of possibilities. But I'm thinking maybe a player like a Dwayne Dedman. Oh, um. Yeah, from Atlanta. I wanted him when he was a, a free, free agent. agent. Yeah. Same. I thought he would have been great. Um, he's on, a, I think, the last year of his contract on a team that is very not good in Atlanta. 
do do you think that maybe they take Terry to be their starting two guard for the rest of the year? I mean, I mean that's a good backcourt get- if you have uh, Terry and Young playing together. I, I think that that could work. That'd Especially cool. if it lets you play game. Young off guard, if you can get him off the ball. Yep. I mean, you and can also just fun. play Terry off ball too, but I think Young is a much better shooter, or at least has the potential to be a much better shooter than Terry. Oh, yeah. I mean, Terry, I love Terry, but I really don't think, I think where Terry is now and where Terry was last year, I don't think he's going to develop too much more. Like, obviously, as much as we do love Terry, I have been very upset with Terry this whole year. Um, Same. It's hard for me to bite it back at this point. Yeah, I mean, we loved him in the playoffs when, you know, he was going head-to-head against Bledsoe and the whole Scary Terry thing. I even got Scary Terry socks, for crying out loud. But, like, uh, he just he just what he does for the offense, he kills the offense. He He's single-handedly killing the second unit offensively. If you watch I'm, wonder, I'm wondering if that's what Kyrie is talking about when it comes yeah. to selfishness. Because, I mean... That's I don't my first see thought. Selfishness from Smart. I don't see selfishness from Jalen. I think Jalen's trying to break out of a slump. And in order for him to be where he needs to be, he needs to have people helping facilitate with him. He needs to be getting put into spots. He needs to be more aggressive. And I think if you have the ball stuck in Terry Ozier's hands, who's looking for shots, who's looking for that payday, you're going to have problems. And I love Terry. And I've been harping on this. Every single time I've been on the CP pod lately, I've been talking about getting rid of Terry because I think it's for the best. I think it's best for, for both sides. And right now we need the depth. So, you know, I talked about maybe trying to make a run for uh, Vucevic. Maybe the money gets a little bit more difficult there. Plus he is a free agent after this season. Um, but they need to do something. There needs to be some kind of shakeup. And if people think someone's being selfish and if they're having a meeting about it, even if they say it's, you know, behind closed doors, it's not a big deal, you know, airing some stuff out. If if Kyrie's saying somebody's being selfish and things don't change, especially tonight against the Hornets, I start to worry. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think uh, the Vucevic thing that you just brought up is actually it's just great. And I don't really know exactly where Orlando is in the stand from the last time I checked. They were like 8-9. Um, and they were one of my little sleeper teams in the East. But if they do decide to part ways with Vucevic, I know he's getting like 17 I think 17, 18 this year. But even in the fact that if you're trading only for a half a year, we're only using the rest of Terry. We're not re-signing Terry. I checked he's his gone money. He's getting 12. He's getting about 12 mil a year. Oh, Vucevic is getting 12? Yeah. Vucevic is getting 12. So in order to make that work, you have to – it's just you have to give away more in terms of salary. Yeah. So like Baines but, and Rozier doesn't make the trade work. Yeah. But if you brought up a trade that would work. Um, the trade that would work would be you'd be sending out Yabu, Rozier, Baines, and Jabari Bird's contract, which I think at this point would be a really good move because I think Orlando's under the salary cap. Um, they would lose salary in the deal or would gain a little bit, and then they would be forced to figure out the Bird situation. But I don't think that's the worst option ever. I mean, I love Yabu, but he's a project player who just hasn't panned out so far, and Maybe right. it's time to call it quits on that. Oh, yeah. No, I, I agree with that. If, if Vucevic is out, it's the trade that we give up, and maybe like a a protected, a really heavily protected first or something. I'm one down of ours. With that. Yeah, like our like top 20 protected pick or something like that. 
Yeah. I, I would be very, very down. Because that's just what we're talking about, a big body rebounder. He's having, he's having a career year, like 2011, 2012, like that off the top of my head. I know he's averaging a good amount of rebounds. He's been playing very, very well over the past few years. He stepped out to, the mid, to like outside. Defensively, he's not going to give you much. But if you pair him up with Al, you can just put him on the worst big man, you know, and just have him just set. You can kind of hide him, sort of. Um, yeah, I mean, you're able to hide him because he's a really good rebounder. So he might yeah, be exactly. great defensively, but he gets boards. And that's Horford's weakness. Horford's a really good defensive big man. So if you have him patrolling the four and you have Vucevic at the five, both of those guys are capable of handling the ball and shooting the three. And they kind of help mask each other's weaknesses. Yeah, and they both can go back to the basket. You can play one out, one in, and you can alternate. Um, both are very good players at the top of the key. Yeah, that would be a great, great move. It all depends on if Orlando wants to do it. Um, and making yeah. money work. It's money and it, I, if Orlando's willing to dance. If I'm Orlando and I look – because I've been, I've been looking at Orlando a lot because I really like Jonathan Isaac when he came out. I really like Mo Bamba when he came out. I'm looking at the team now, and they could potentially be one of the best defensive teams in the league. Because they have if the bigs. Like, they have the bigs. They have the length. They have – you're so Jonathan much – Simmons is good. Defensively. Simmons is really good. Isaac is really good defensively. Aaron Gordon isn't a slouch. Mo Bamba can be a force. So if I'm Orlando and I look at – and they're not going anywhere because they don't have a score. Other than Evan Fournier, they don't have anyone else. And that's why I thought personally they should have gone gone after Isaiah Thomas, but that's a, a – a Yeah, no, that's – yeah, definitely agree with that one as well. But if they – are looking at themselves and see this new cultural identity and this new what they're building in Orlando, which I think can be very, very, very cool and very, very, very interesting what they're doing. I wouldn't mind just taking another year, getting another good player because there are a lot of good wings uh, trying to, yeah, a lot of good wings in this class. Um, so if you sort of hit the tank card, get rid of your all star player who probably is going to be an all star, at least right there. Get a wing in the draft, get another first round pick, and then get like a, a Terry Rozier as well to be and have his court. restricted free agency rights. And That's if he continues his- to have a down year, you're able to get him on a more market friendly deal. You can still give him a good amount of money, but he's going to be able to be a, a starting guard for you. Yeah, I think that's a very, very enticing deal for both sides, Orlando and Boston. The only the only thing I think would hold it up for Boston is making the money work and then deciding if they're going to be able to convince Vucevic to take a little bit less money to stay with the team. You know, and we talked about it a little bit more when we did our last pod. Do you do you take a little bit less money to try and stay with the team like that? And you know, it it, it there's a couple other moves they can make, but I, I think their main goal is if there's a player being selfish, start packing their bags and figuring out what you need to do to make this team right again. They gotta get the rebounding back. And just the way that they're playing, it's just inconsistent. They ripped off eight straight, and then they lost three straight. And I mean, granted, a lot of that can be chalked up to the big man depth, but they got to figure out something when it comes to def- their defense because it's not like they're playing bad defense. It's just guys are hitting shots in their face, and they're not executing defensively when it comes to their big man spot. And a lot of that is the injuries, but they still need depth there. They need to add another piece, something that's going to help put them over the edge, at least when it comes to the East, because I really don't want them to be, you know, a second round exit or to go down in the Eastern conference finals, because at the end of the day, I think they have enough talent to make it work and they should. They do. And even if Vucevic doesn't stay, I wouldn't mind trading him for the half year. And him, Cause we're doing the same thing with Terry. I don't see any possibility that Terry Rogers on the Celtics next year. 
where they'll and be that's traded. Thing. So if you trade basically a half-year player for another half-year player and then you just throw in like a very heavily protected first-round pick when you already have three, and Yabu, who is a fan favorite, but like you said, personally is getting very, very... You know, he's grinding my gears a little bit. Um, he's even really, putting it together. Yeah, it really wasn't... I, when we drafted him, I was like, who? Yeah. But I, I digress. I think that even you, Vucevic, you know Vucevic isn't staying. I really think you still pull that deal if it can work. Another deal that I would look for, I don't know if Chicago would be looking to deal him, but it's something to monitor. Someone who I was like, yes, this guy would be a great fit for us. Bobby Portis. Hmm. Yeah. I just don't um, think Chicago would part with him, but I mean, it's just still the same thing you'd be dealing with. Uh, we picked Rozier before Bobby Portis, I believe, in the same exact draft class. If I'm wrong, no. Yep. No. You're. I think you're. You're right around there, at least. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Personally, like, if we're looking for the fit rebounding wise, I would rather go after Robin Lopez. I don't know Ooh. exactly what his contract is. I think it might be a little bit higher. But if he gets like bought out this year, even though Robin Lopez is like older, the center, kind of a goof. Yeah, NBA meme culture. He's still a good rebounder, you know? So. Do you think Lopez would ruin the system, though? He doesn't really fit that style of Brad Stevens player. Yeah, I think that would be a problem. But, I mean, then again, like, Baines isn't exactly, you know, dropping three-pointers, but he's just a solid defensive piece. I think Rob Lopez offers that. Um, but, yeah. it's you know, it's just a matter of figuring out how he fits. And I mean, maybe it would be easier to get a guy. Um, I think Adam's thinking along the right lines where you kind of want a guy who can still be able to stretch the floor a little bit because the whole system is relying on passing and getting an open man and being able to hit shots from deep. I mean, that's why Baines has kind of changed his game. And granted, every single time he takes a three, I'm kind of like, please don't. But they have to in order to keep the system honest and keep the other team honest. So, you know, it if they can find another guy who can open the floor like that, get rebounds and isn't on a crazy contract, you know, it'd be great, but it's a matter of making money work. That's really the only big thing that's stopping the Celtics from acquiring a guy that they need. It's just making money work. It's difficult at this point. Yeah. Now moving on to the box, what did you guys see that was the biggest issue in the box? Are we sticking with the rebounding or did, was there something else that you thought was fucking up? I think it was just um, just no one really offensively did it. You know, it was a 10-1 run to start the game, and then I, you know, looked back up, and it's 22-10 bucks. I mean, it was just something that no one really offensively did anything. There's um, no the answer. Honest, yeah, there was no answer. Uh, Jalen Brown had a really good game, and every time Jalen Brown has a good game, it's very quiet. I think it's usually because he's been slumping so hard. And I think it's, you know, him trying to get that swagger back. Yeah. I mean, I've been very well documented saying why I believe Jalen's having these struggles and why I believe it's something that isn't that huge of a deal unless it just keeps happening. And obviously, it would be turned into a bigger deal than it is right now. Oh, it becomes but, a pattern. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously, the, the tallest player in the game was Semi. Start off the lineup, it was, what was it? Marcus, Kyrie, Gordon, Jason, and uh, Semi. Semi guards Giannis, and Giannis really didn't even notice that he was on the court, it looked like at times. 
And uh, Malcolm Brogdon got to the cup whenever he wanted. He had like three or four plays in a row where he just did whatever he wanted. It's that thing where, I mean, defensively, I remember uh, one play in particular, Robert Williams, Don Maker made two threes in a row, and then Robert Williams got in the game and didn't check Don Maker at the three-point line. He hit two more in a row. You know, and that's where it comes in that Rob Williams is still pretty raw. But it was just like a whole bunch of like little things that just didn't happen. They weren't making shots. They weren't playing really well defense. They were playing very idiotic defense at times. You know, just one of those things where it's, they just got outplayed. It feels like that once there's an injury, like over the last few years, we've been playing well in the face of adversity. And now every time something little goes wrong, the whole team morale just implodes. And yeah. like that's, I that's mean, a I- big problem because the Celtics are meant to be the in-your-face grit and grind. You know, you hit us, we hit you back harder. Uh, right. Losing Al and Baines has been a big hit, as you guys have said. It's your backbone. Yeah, but... And I've been on record the last two years. Kyrie Irving's the best player on the team, but Al Horford is the most important player on the team. Al Horford is the most valuable player on the team. Uh, he makes everything work defensively. He makes a lot of things work offensively with his playmaking ability and what he does with the ball. Um, Baines being out didn't help. It was sort of like last year we had scoring to go around. You had Jalen, who was playing very, very well. You had um, Terry Rozier, who stepped up, and you had um, – Jason Tatum, who played very, very well. So when Kyrie went down, it's easy to replace that sport. When your two best big men go down and you have Femi Ogilvy starting at center, it's hard to replace that. You know? So. I just think making a move for another big just not only makes logical sense, but in the long haul, especially with free agency coming up for Baines, you've got Horford, who's not only getting older, but has a player option this summer. Um, I mean, I would imagine he's probably going to opt out and hopefully take a team-friendly deal just to try and make things a little bit easier and also get him some help inside. Um, I just, there needs to be something else done. I just don't know what else to say at this point with the team and the way that they're going. You know, you can't you can't get by without having that rebounding. And it's either got to be a team effort of just crashing the, the boards or you need to have a dominant big that can just go down low. And I just, with the way the situation's unraveling, I just wish there wasn't this whole issue with the Rose rule where, you know, the Celtics yeah. could at least try and make an offer for Davis at the deadline. You know, and I, I, I think they still try and make a move in free agency to try and get a trade for him. But right now it's really difficult, especially, and it's frustrating to see everything going on with the Lakers and all these rumors. I mean, I don't know if we had a slated to talk about it today, but um, personally, I'm livid with all the bullshit with LeBron right now. I'm just, I just think it's so bullshit. Yeah, I mean, before we get to that, I want to look at getting a big man and why it really helped. Our three biggest threats in the East, the Bucks, the Sixers, the Raptors. That's very well documented. The Milwaukee Bucks right now are first in rebounds per game at 50. And you have Giannis getting 13 rebounds. You look at Philadelphia, who is getting 47 and 48 rebounds a game, with Joel Embiid also averaging 13. Boston's actually 12th in rebounding, which is actually kind of surprising, but I think that's more of a team effort than just a single player. Mm-hmm. And then you have Toronto, who's 14th in rebounding at 45. They have a player like Jonas uh, Valanciunas, who 
every time they play the Celtics, he gets 19 rebounds. So getting a Vucevic, getting a rebounding player like maybe a Robin Lopez to just hinder those three guys and those three teams, I think that is more instrumental than anything for this team, especially in the playoffs. No, definitely. Uh, heads up, by the way, your mic is getting a little tuby. No, my bad. No, it's okay. It's okay. Right. I wanted to give you the heads up. Um, but I, I, I look at most of the dominant teams in the East, or all the teams that I say, you know, if I'm in the playoffs, I'm like, that team could be a challenge. Like, that team could be a problem. I mean, any team that you go ahead against in the playoffs, it's, you know, best of seven series, winner take all. So whoever comes out on top, that's what it is. But most of the teams in the East have a dominant big man. You know, as you're saying, you know, with 76ers, you've got Joel Embiid. Um, with the Raptors, you know, you've got Valanchunas, who's always given the Celtics problems. He's a rebounding machine. Um, he's one of those guys who's dropped 20 rebounds on us in a game before. So <laughs> he's always a threat. Um, on top of that, you look at the Pacers with Miles Turner. Um, you know, it, you've got a lot of teams that have those bigs that just – snag rebounds and just dominate in the paint and it doesn't even need to be anyone flashy you just need a guy who can get your boards and what i worry about now is a lot of those teams that have younger bigs who are starting to develop more you know with yanis and the bucks um you're gonna have to go against these younger big men who are starting to extend their shooting range who are becoming threats you know both outside and inside the paint and you've got al horford who's obviously your best big man who's going to be 32 in the summer. So you're getting older at the most important position in the league for you right now. Because I think every other position, the Celtics are able to not only hold their own, but to, you know, excel. But right. it's their one soft spot. And like you said before, I mean, it's it's been their soft spots since they traded Perk. And granted, the league's right. changed, but you need a rebounder. You need a really strong rebounder at the five. Or you need a defensive piece, you know, if you're you know, like a Draymond Green, even Draymond Green, they run at the five sometimes for, you know, their death lineup with the Warriors. So you don't have a guy like that. Yeah. A little fun fact about Draymond Green I thought was interesting. He has more steals and more fouls than field goals made this year. A little fun fact. But anyway, yeah, you're right. I mean, we just... Especially being when I used to play basketball, that was my thing. I was the rebounder, and I love rebounds. Just pisses me off how I look at a game and no one's getting a rebound. It's a little personal pet peeve of mine. And talk about being a Celtics fan, you know, how much success we had, all the little intricacies that just piss me off every day. But yeah, we don't need no one flashy. Just make the money work. Um, and then we'll, we'll go into the Kyrie comment right now. Uh, Make the money work. And if someone is being selfish, like Kyrie said, after the game against Milwaukee, he said that there's definitely selfish play going on. We need to figure that out. And they had a players-only meeting right after the game. Uh, my money is Terry just by watching the game play. I don't think it's someone – I don't think he's make, doing it on purpose. You know, I think he's just, like you said earlier, trying to get that money at the it's end of the year. But my money's on Terry um, being the player. And it sucks. I mean, yeah. I, I would assume it has to be at this point because if you look at the rest of the roster, you know, who's being selfish, who's not being selfish, um, who's putting the team ahead of their own. Like, I mean, it's not Marcus Smart. It's not Jalen Brown because Jalen Brown's trying to get his swagger back. Al Horford's not playing. Baines isn't playing. 
you know, you've got Mook who's still dealing with, you know, that knee injury. Um, I don't think it's Tatum. Maybe Tatum needs to take more shots. Maybe Tatum's having issues. But I mean, I think, I think you can narrow it down to two people. You know, I think you could say it's either Terry or Tatum. And I don't think Tatum's the problem. I think Tatum needs to get more shots. I think he's got to take smart shots. He can't be settling for the mid-range all the time. But, yep. I mean, for the most part, he's he's kind of been that second ignition. You know, you've got Kyrie. And obviously, you know, you've got Hayward that you're trying to work back into it. And I certainly don't think he's selfish. I think he needs to get his swagger back as much as Jalen does. But who is the guy who's impeding other guys getting their game back? Who's the one piece who's stopping dudes from getting their shots off? Like you said, it's either Terry, which I have my money on, or it's Tatum. And this is why Kyrie can say this comment. Because for a while, my gripe with Kyrie was he really wasn't great as a playmaker. And, you know, but if you look at his stats right now, he's averaging the second, the third least point minutes per game in his career. The first will be his rookie season, and the second would be the year he was coming off the uh, surge, uh, the kneecap. Mm-hmm. And he's averaging by far the most rebounds by almost by over a full rebound a game, and he is averaging the most assists in a game he's ever had. So he, if you want to look at Kyrie, he's getting a lot of people involved. He's still taking his twenty shots per game, which he should be. He's Kyrie Irving. But he is getting a lot, a lot, a lot of people involved. And, and he's he being more efficient. He's being way more efficient. I mean, by the numbers, he's still, he's still shooting 48% from the field, which Kyrie's always been a very efficient player. But he, he has been everything. He has stepped up offensively in the playmaking department and defensively, my two quote-unquote gripes about him. And he is turning into one of the best point guards in the league. I think right now, especially this season, he's overtaken Russ as the second most point guard in the league. Especially how bad Russ, uh, Russell Westbrook is performing this year. But you look at Kyrie and what he's doing; he is not hogging anything. And you look at Tatum, and I don't think it's really necessarily Tatum's fault because I feel like the shots that Tatum is taking, the shots that he wants, he, they want him to go. He has the ability to go ISO. He has the ability to make the shots he takes. And when he is spot up shooting, he is making the shot. He just takes it ISO one or two more times a game than you really should. But I just think it comes out on Terry. He's, he knows what he can be when he's starting, and he wants to replicate that, you know, that, what he can do. And maybe you, you can just make can't a case do that. For, yeah. You just can't and do maybe, that in the bench time. Oh, yeah. And maybe you can make a case for Jalen, but both of us think that he's just trying to figure it out more. You know, figure out really what he, how his new role on this team is. Because, like I've been saying, he was the second offensive option last year, most of the year. And now he's down to the fifth, and that's really hard. He's not getting as much look as he was last year. But he has put on some solid games, but I don't really think it's his. I really think it, it's probably Terry, you know? Mm hmm. I mean, just to touch back on um, Kyrie's stats, over the last two games, he's had 17 assists. That was 10 against the Suns, 7 against the Bucks. Like you said, right. Cody, he's playing way better defense. He's driving the lanes more. He's really, like, bought into Brad's system. He's become probably the most reliable. Well, he was already the best player, but now he's probably our most reliable player as well. Um, At least this year. Yeah, dude. I mean... 
when he's the one calling the meeting about play, selfish play, uh, and then when he first came and we all thought he was going to be the reason for selfish play, it shows how much he's grown as a player himself. Oh yeah, he's grown tremendously. Yeah, dude, he's um, he's definitely top three point guard in the league right now. Yeah, and I mean, it's easy to say he's a top three player in the East, too. I mean, there's not too many other players that you can put in that same echelon or above him right now. Um, right, and yeah. he's, he's taking on the leadership role like you wanted him to. You know, he's he's not only, you know, backing up what he said about wanting to stay in Boston, about retiring that number here, but he's backing it up on and off the court. You know, that's what you want. He's the face of your franchise. At this point now, I mean, it's very easy and clear to say, especially with some of the play he's had, um, especially that Wizards game, you know, you're getting the best out of him and he's taking the, you know, he's taking this team by the horns and he's taking the challenge on to be the leader and he's doing exactly what you want him to do. So, you know, I, you can't waste that. Yeah. I mean, very well said. Like since he's, when he first came to Boston, I always liked Kyrie. I loved this game, but obviously he was an off. He was a scoring point guard and that really was it. You know, like he wasn't, he was an okay playmaker, mostly because he had the ball in his hands all the time, at least like assist wise and sending teammates. And then defensively, you know, he said that he used to dog in Cleveland and he dogged most of the year last year and the beginning of this year. Like, but now that he's older, he's 26 now, 25 now, he's more mature. He's, you know, now he is the guy and. It's a lot. The mindset's a lot different than when he was a 19-year-old playing in the league than he is now, and that just really says something. But he's just evolved, you know. He, if he needs to only score 20 and get 12 assists, he'll do it. If he needs to get 40 and like five assists, he'll do it. And he knows exactly what he needs to do to help that team win. It's everybody else that needs to realize what they have to do to make that team win on that given night. Agreed. Yeah, I mean, at the moment, we're just not playing cohesive basketball. Uh, so, like you say, Kyrie's playing the best he's ever played. Sorry, guys. Kyrie's playing the best he's ever played. He's facilitating at a higher rate than he's ever done before. His defending's gone up through the roof. But then we've had slumps with Jalen, Jason, Terry. And then we lose Mook, who's probably been our second best player all year. Horford has been Mr. Reliable. It's just it's yep. just a nightmare, like team chemistry wise. Just as they start getting on a run, things start to get bumpy for them. But then we've got the Hornets tonight, so hopefully we can regroup there because obviously the Hornets are trash. Yeah, Except hopefully, but Walker. rough. <laughs> I mean, Kemba's a great player, and I think he's probably going to end up either getting supermaxed by them in the off season, or he's going to bounce to a contender. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing him on the Spurs or somewhere else, maybe. But, you know, it's – they've got teams that they should beat. You know, I knew the Pistons was going to be tough. It was the second night of a back-to-back against a team that just rebounds like crazy. So that was tough. Um, I was hoping they could have stolen that game against the Suns. They should have taken that game against the Suns. And the Bucs are a hard matchup too. Bucs are a top-five team in the league right now. You know? Yeah, no, Ayton was the biggest factor for for the Suns, though. I mean, he played great. And that's not surprising, though. That's not. You know, Especially that's why he got drafted mm-hmm. where he was. Yep. I mean, you know, and I, think- I thought... Sorry, Sam, but I thought... No, no, Adam- 
I said that we we're going to beat the Suns by 30. I was yeah, that, fuck. I did say Yeah, I was like, we're going to absolutely murder that team. Because I just felt the way we were 9-1 and one coming into playing the worst team in the NBA. Who only has two good offensive players. And I was like, Mark, put Marcus on Booker. Even if Booker gets like 20, 30, you have Baines. You there, Cody? Yes, I am there. Did you not get any of that? No, no, no. Nick, lost um, you. All right. Well, anyway, I had them winning by 30 in that game. And then they didn't. I looked like a complete idiot. Well, losing Baines hurt that too. Yeah, and that's. I mean, we- Hey, it's just a vicious cycle. Out, it broke his hand, man. Yeah. yeah they knew, like, immediately. Yeah. Shams definitely has an ear to the pulse of the Celtics. Yeah, he knows. We can get him on. How long is he had for? <laughs> yeah, about six weeks? Four, uh, four to six, six weeks. Four. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I to be honest. Than that. To be honest, especially with Al not playing and Baines not playing, I didn't think we were going to win Milwaukee. I was actually a little surprised it was as close as it was. Um, yeah. I didn't think we win versus Milwaukee. Even though we were at home and you never want to root against the favorite team. A2 games, they always play us good even when we're at full strength. So, especially with the two of our very important players, I didn't really think there was going to be much of a in that one. Well, on top of that, too, Yanis is playing some of the best basketball of his career right now. And he's very oh, young. He's so, granted, he's without a doubt, he's the MVP right now. I mean, there's yeah. only a few other guys you can mention in the same breath, but I mean, the Bucks are playing great because Yanis is just evolving. I think he's still got to develop an outside shot, but I mean, he's able to get the line effortlessly, and I'm pretty sure he leads the league in free throws. So now, is it blasphemous? Is it blasphemous to say that Giannis is one of the most dominant players in NBA history already? I think it's too early for that because, I mean. It really depends on how long he plays for. I mean, right. Dwight Howard was one of the most dominant big men in the league, and look what happened to him now. You know, incapable of hitting free throws, staying healthy, and, you know, developing any kind of shot, you know, you're getting limited. And granted, I think because Yanis is built like a tree and he's athletic and he's able to get to the rim and get fouled, you know, that's going to help him. But if he doesn't fully develop that shot, teams are going to start figuring him out. I mean, there's not going to be too many teams that can still guard him. But it's yeah, still, I mean, you know. Like, just looking at him play. He's limited. And he, he doesn't have that jump shot, but at least he does shoot it. Like, he, he is not afraid to. In the mid-range. He shoots like 30% from three, which isn't good. But it's like, you still have to guard him out there. He's 6'11", with a handle, with passing ability. He, he's, his rebounding went through the roof. He's averaging five more rebounds he, this year. Is he still 6'11"? He has to be like 7'9 at this point. I mean, at least <laughs> at least the other he's, night he he's was. Pro- he's probably 7'2 or 7'1". I, I don't yeah. believe that he's 6'11". I mean, it's the same thing they have with like KD and Boogie. It's like they go ahead yeah. and measure him, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, no, actually they're like 7'1". <laughs> And it's like you look just looking at that game, and yeah, he was getting gar- guarded by semi, and it's like, oh wow. But still, like, like there's no player that can guard him. He's been averaging 27 every year the last few years, and like you put a big on him, he's too fast. You put a wing on him, he's too big. He's too. Strong. And like 
I don't want to put him in the shaft and the wilts yet, but if he does this for a few more years, he could that he could be in that category where he is that unguardable and unstoppable. Like Elijah one. Yeah, like an Elijah one. I love the second favorite player of all time. But he can easily. I, I'm not gonna say easily because you can't easily be the best player in one of the top sporting leagues in the world. But he is. He can, you could argue he's the best player in the NBA right now. The way he's been he's playing, up there. he's he's top yeah. three, I think. Yeah, he has the Bucks are like the third or second best record in the NBA. He's playing very, very. Especially if you look at that team, you really don't have a lot of offensive pieces around them. No. Like, Brooklyn is okay. Chris Middleton's a good 20-point scorer. But other than that, you don't really have good – they're first in, like, every offensive category. He's a big part of it. He is a huge part of it. He is a very, very, very large part of it. But anyway, I mean, I personally wasn't expecting a win in Boston the other night. Me Call either. Me hate if you want. But it's just – we haven't played well. We we get rocked by the Suns. You think we're gonna compete against the Bucks? Come on now, man. Without center depth, no, no yeah. way. And that's just, that's a bad thing, you know. I think giving minutes to Rob Williams is gonna help, but you know, if you don't have anybody else to help him out, you know, it doesn't matter how well he's playing or how many blocks he's got, because yeah. you know, all it's gonna take is for a rotation to get him out of there. You go small, and all of a sudden you get Yanis back in there, and he just punishes you. You know, you need the depth. You need to make a trade. Yep. So I think that pretty much wraps it up for today, guys. Unless there's anything else you want to speak about? No. That's all I got. Okay, awesome. Well, any hot takes? Cody, you want to drop a hot take for tonight's game? Try and redeem yourself? Uh, I don't know. You should. (laughs) Uh, Good game from... From Jalen and I, I think Jalen rides. I think he gets twenty plus. I think Jalen gets twenty plus. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that. All right. Now he's going to go five from the field. <laughs> now that I said that, <laughs> <laughs> please don't be the kiss of death. Oh, if it is, then there's no more hot takes from Cody. No more smooching. That's it. No more. No more. <laughs> Let's see how this one pans out first, though. Oh, of course. Alright then guys, well thanks for listening. You can catch us again later in the week. Find us on PulsePodcastNetwork.com at PulsePodNetwork on Twitter. Don't forget to check out TheJerseyExpress.com for 10% off on any jersey or hoodie using the promo code PULSE. And we'll catch you again soon. Peace. Later guys.